Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Let me just tell you, your body is shaped by your belief system. And your belief system in today's world, unless you're a radical, rebellious person, your belief system is shaped by the people around you. And if your belief system is shaped by the people around you, then you're not being you. Because your belief system should be shaped by the breath of your lungs. The secretion of the peptides of the lungs are your beliefs. That's why people that are being controlled by those around them are not actually being themselves because they're breathing very shallow. They're not engaging the full of the alveoli sacs in the lungs. And when you engage the full-on nature of your lungs, you begin to feel like you can do something. You turn on parts of your brain that aren't turned on. And you're not obeying all the rules. Lord Krishna said to Arjuna, live by the rules of the cosmos and know what the rules of humanity are so you can navigate them without insulting them. With, and I hope I didn't insult you. Me? Yeah. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I was just asking if you were okay. Uh, thank you. So the idea is that you want to be able to expand inside your lungs so that you can expand your belief system so that you can go into the world as you. And when you start doing it, you're going to have to put up with the, with the feedback because there will be a very, very detrimental feedback loop amongst your friends, amongst your relatives, you know, amongst everything that you're doing because everything that you've gathered around you, including your relatives, are accustomed to you being a certain way. And when you start changing that behavior, when you start changing those attitudes, when you start changing those opinions, they don't feel secure because you've now become unfamiliar to them. They were secure. They felt safe when you were familiar to them. Ah, it's good old so-and-so. It's, oh, it's oh, yeah, you're always, a good, you're always a good partner, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you start changing, people around you start going, whoa, what is this? So you've got to be able to enter those changes slowly, but not too slow. Right? Slow but firm. You're not going back. I don't know if you have it in Canada, but in the United States, there's a sign going into a parking lot where they have those claws that come up, you know, when you roll your tires over them. And that sign says, stop, don't back up, severe tire damage. I was Yogi Bhajan's driver for years, and we went in a ton of those things. And every time we'd go in, he'd say, that's it. That's a spiritual statement. Don't back up. Severe tire damage. And so what we're looking at here is we're looking at expanding our belief system so that we can alter the shape of our body, because our body is shaped by our belief system. 
Our body is shaped by the attitude that comes from our belief, by the opinions that come from our belief, and we walk around with our belief and attitude and opinion being expressed by our physical body. When you start to break out of it with some kind of free-form movement and some crazy six or seven-year-old moves, then all of a sudden you're saying, I'm going to remake my body. I'm going to actually change the slight angle between my pelvis and my diaphragm. And that slight angle is like taking those two lenses and shifting them. Have you ever had a telescope and allowed something to come into focus by shifting the length of the telescope? Or binoculars, the same thing. What ends up happening is suddenly that which was fuzzy and undeterminable becomes crystal clear. And that's exactly what happens to your clairvoyance, your clairaudience, and your clairsentience. That your intuition based on the eyes and the head brain, the intuition based on the heart and the ear brain, uh, excuse me, the, the ears and the heart brain, and the intuition based, that was funny, I laughed. <laughs> and the intuition based on your feelings and your gut brain all begin to become clear. Then what has to happen is you need to know what to do with that clarity. Because you've now entered a dimension. Remember we said that the, the solutions were in the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th dimension. You've now started to enter a dimension that you have no language for, so you don't know how to explain it to yourself. Because to understand something, which is the throat chakra, you have to explain the sensations that you're experiencing to the head brain. And that's when you can understand it. So when you move into a new dimension, and you're getting all of this new information, and it's crystal clear, you're totally confused. Which means that you're not fused. You're not fixated. One time Yogi Bhajan was teaching a class, nobody ever asked a question when he was lecturing. I mean, right in the middle of it. And he's got this person in the back of the room like this. He says, yeah, can I help you? He says, yeah, what? I'm always confused. What do I do about that? He says, when you find out, let me know, because I'm always confused too. <laughs> and so you have to be okay with confusion. Most people hold on to beliefs that are not theirs, that are being inserted by the world around them, that's shaping their body, that's shaping their opinions and their attitudes and everything else. They are doing that because they know that fact. It's not a truth, but it's a fact. And they hold on to that fact and they stay with that fact and it's usually a fact that has an opinion and an attitude to go along with it. And so now you've got a fact that's not a truth with a supporting opinion and a supporting attitude and now you go around the world looking for people who share that and you call them your friends. You go around and you develop a family that feels the same way. And when one of them, like you, in a family, doesn't feel the same way that everybody else does, I went through it, not with my parents and my sister, but I went through it with the extended family. My parents were yogis. So when I went through it too, I had decades of people that would just still relate to me as Jerry. And that was okay with me. You don't have to call me Guru Singh. You can call me Jerry if that's familiar with you. But the bottom line is, is that we change and we begin to then all of a sudden upset our relations.
And then we have to work with those relations or let them go. And what's happening in the world at large is that we have to be the ones that actually come in and honor our personal belief because our personal beliefs all fit together very well. It's like trees in a forest. They're all a different shape. Slightly different this and that and the other thing, but they all fit together. And under that ground, they all love each other and support each other in their root system. So it's a matter of allowing ourselves to believe with each other and allowing you to be you and me to be me. I remember sometimes talking with Tiaga Prem and he'd say, do you think it's okay? And I said, do you think it's okay? And he'd say, yeah, I think it's okay. I said, well, then I think you're okay with what you think is okay. What the hell does it matter if I think it's okay? And if I don't think it's okay, then I, I'm wrong. Because what's okay is not for him, it's for me, isn't it? Absolutely. And so we can share opinions, but we cannot share mandates. And the opinion of it's not okay is just another way of saying, it'll take me a while to get used to it. Because if you can influence me that you're not going to change and you're going to keep going in that direction strong, more strongly than I can influence you that you shouldn't go in that direction, then I've got a choice to make. Either support your direction or walk the other way. But in this kind of a community, we have to applaud the differentiation. What is the world right now most fearful of? Diversity, differentiation, right? Change. Isn't it? I mean, what is this whole thing about racism? There's no such thing as race. We are all a slightly different skin tone. And by the way, this, can you all see what I'm holding here? This is white. And there's nobody in this room that is that color. So we're all a different shade of a person of color. Correct? Yeah. Now the only reason why those people who are more pale, controlled by their genetics, feel that the people that are a little darker are somehow the enemy is because the darker your skin, the healthier you are in today's world. The stronger your body is in today's world. Because the sun's getting brighter, and if your skin's not doesn't have enough pigmentation, then you feel insecure. And whenever the human psyche feels insecure, it wants to attack that which is different because it feels that that's what's causing my insecurity. And that's all rising to a head right now. Why? Because the sun rays are getting stronger. So it's not an attitude of the brain, it's an attitude of the DNA. The DNA feels insecure because it knows that it's not going to be able to stand up to this. So there was a whole lot of us very, very conscious beings that were born in all different shades of a colored person. I always tell the people that I relate to that are darker than me that my darkness is just dots. You know, I got the same as you, only mine came in polka dots. I know that now here we go again, Jeremy bought his Tesla, he paid extra for the white. Right? But he could have got that white if he paid a little bit extra with polka dots. I think he ought to take it to a tat shop and get some ink, get some ink applied, right? 
My car's got tattoos on it. Yeah. So what we're doing when we get up and we act foolish is we are confusing our body's standard. And then when we sit back down to do something intentional like a mantra or an asana, what ends up happening is that because our body is unfused, right, unfixated, it's flex more flexible. Keep doing that and all of a sudden you begin to retrain all of your lenses, all of your domes, whatever you want to refer to them as, you begin to retrain them in a way in which they make you see more clearly, as we have said before. Once you see, hear more clearly, see more clearly, feel more clearly, all of a sudden you begin to discover the solutions that exist with every problem. For every action there is a reaction that is... So for every problem there is an equal solution. For every question, there's an equal answer. For every situation, there is an equal component that can allow that situation to become workable. It's a cosmic law. And when we allow ourselves to become more flexible, when we begin to tune our lenses, domes, whatever you want to call them, what we just described was the pelvis, the diaphragm, by the way, the pelvis is purpose, the diaphragm is inspiration. The roof of your mouth, the roof of your mouth is understanding, and the crown of your head is allowing. So when you are on purpose and inspired and understanding your environment, you allow for the solution. So that means that you've aligned those four lenses, and now all of a sudden, I can see clearly now. <laughs> that broke it up. Because you were all getting very serious. You know? you know. So, I can see clearly now. The rain is ah, You knew more of the song than I did. Ah, that's great. All right, come sitting down. Let's align the lens. So, take your hands, place them on your knees gently. And we're going to begin with long breathing, which means you push the belly out as you inhale and you draw the belly in as you exhale, which is going to be operating around the lens of the diaphragm. And the same as you're doing that with a Sufi grind, we're going to be going in a circular motion. Long and deep breath. Long and deep breath. Through the nose. By the way, teachers, begin to use the phrase, embrace the breath, rather than hold or suspend. Embrace the breath. And release the embrace. And take your shoulders. These shoulders hold so much of the fascia between the heart, the ears, and the head brain. And we want to make that fascia totally acceptable to the new form 
to the new focus of the various lenses in our body. So begin one way or the other, rotating your shoulders. Inhale as they go up, exhale as they go down. As they go up and inhale, push the belly out. As they go down and exhale, push the belly in. You're changing that firm, fixed attitude that separates the head brain of analysis from the heart brain of circulation, giving and receiving. We're reformatting our shoulders because our shoulders carries the weight of the opinions and attitudes, the thoughts and the feelings involved in our world. We want to shift that. We want to disrupt that. We want to be able to form it intentionally. Inhale. Embrace the breath. Exhale. Put your hands in bear grip, which means you curl your fingers and just place it in front of your heart center. Once again, we're torquing the body so that it is not fixated anymore. We want our bodies and its lenses to be able to be adjusted. And we're going to adjust them with our meditation and our mantra, our sounds and our syllables. We're unhooking, we're unhooking the first and second vertebra in the neck. First vertebra contains the peptides of faith. The second vertebra, the axis, contains the peptides of trust. As I said, the lungs contain the peptides of belief. The pe pelvis contains the peptides of feeling on purpose. The diaphragm feeling inspired. Beautiful. You're unhooking the rigidity of these very delicate body parts. You want to treat them kindly, not forcibly. Remember what we said, we were unhinging our lenses, we were taking them out of fixed positions, making our body's lenses more flexible so that we can see more clearly at great distance, more intimately at great intuition. Part of the landscape, to use an expression, part of the landscape of that further insight or outsight is that we begin to see the frequencies that surround us. We all have frequencies that surround us. When your ears are hearing the sound of the gong, Oftentimes, people will come up to me after a gong session and they'll say, 
what was that CD or what was that mantra that you were playing with the gong? And the answer is there was none. The gong loads up your brain. Love you. What's your brain? There's so many overtones that are involved in the gong that the brain becomes completely disoriented and confused. And the brain in your head doesn't appreciate disorientation. At a certain point in life, the brain in your head decides, I want facts, I don't care if they're truths. I just want to be able to count on something that I can count on. And so what happens when the gong is being played and it's information that is so vast that the brain and the head is going, this makes no sense, let me try to compose something out of this. It will make up sounds out of the sounds that are there. It will pick the notes that are being played by the gong and it will put them, put them together in a familiar melody or at least a melody that they can comprehend and it will appear to the brain that inside the gong there's a CD playing and this is what's called the music of the spheres. It's what Beethoven and Bach and Mozart, it's what John Lennon and Paul McCartney always used to compose their songs. All of these people always said, I do not make this music, I listen to it. And I copy it and I write it down. Because this is music in the vast amount of information that is playing in the cosmos that is coming through their brain and making sense to them. The same thing happens when you begin to use, that's the audio track, when you begin to use the other tracks of your intuition, when you begin to perceive at great distance, like let's say we perceive at great distance of the fourth dimension, we see into the distant past and we see into the distant future, the deep future. And what happens to people like us that are born on a planet that Yogi Bhajan called a half-star hotel, that are born onto a very primitive planet, is that we need to reach out to the future from where we came in order to understand the actual pattern that we have to follow to get a, worth, a world that is this primitive to a place where it's at least getting along. I mean, that's our first level we have to create here. It's coming into a room of kids that have never been supervised and they're throwing chalk and they're throwing food and they're throwing everything. They're just competing and ultimately it's the biggest bully in the room that starts to take charge of the room and that's what's happening in the world today. Because the biggest bully in the world today is the sensation of capital being time. Time is money. And so those that have stolen the most amount of money become the rulers of the world. And that's, what, that's what's happening in the world today. And we've been sent here to not fight against that because we don't have the power in three dimensions to do that, but to outflank that in multi-dimensions so that we can actually embrace that and encase that, just like you would grab a child that was about to walk into the street. You don't necessarily grab a child that's going to walk into the street the way you would come up and hug a child. You might have to do it a little bit severely at first, but then you would want to be able to tell the child that I love you, I love you, I love you, because the child is shocked by that movement. And that's what we have to do in the world of today. We cannot freak out the people that have 
the greatest amount of violence in their capacity. We have to be able to embrace them. But we have to get a hold of them first, and that may take some activity. We have to outflank them. That's our task. And so what we have in this, in this insight that takes place, because we've changed our lenses and now we're going to go into a meditation with a pranayama breathing exercise, is we will start to notice the frequencies that surround us. Because when our soul body enters our material body, our physical body at birth, there's a protective frequency that surrounds us. And that protective frequency that surrounds us, just like the sounds of the gong, is overwhelming to us. And so we make up parts of that frequency that we can relate to. Christians say it's Jesus. Catholics say it's the Mother Mary. I say it's Jesus and Mother Mary and the Buddha and Nanak and Gobind Singh and my dog, my other dog and my other dog and my wife and my this and my that and my grandfather, my two parents and you know anything that's beyond the earth and anything that's within the earth and anything that's of the universe. You know, I make up and I call this my guidance system. How many of you ever had a stuffed animal or a stuffed toy that was very precious to you? And didn't we give it a name? You know, this is Muffet. This is, this is Muffy, whatever. And it was very dear and we felt more secure with identifying, with identifying that name and that, that creature. That creature was our security. And that's what we do with these names. Lord Jesus, Lord Krishna, Lord Buddha, you know, whatever it is that we're relating to. I follow Yogi Bhajan's path and Paramahansa's path, my two great teachers, in that I believe in it all. I embrace it all. I love it all. Because every one of them gives some aspect to me that is unique. It's my made-up story, just like my, the name of my animal was my made-up story. But it's made up out of the universe of information, so it's not like made up in a lie. It's made up in something that makes me feel comfortable makes me feel secure because the more comfortable and the more secure I become, the more open I become. And the more open I become, the more innovative I become, the more creative I become. And that's a problem solver. My creativity, my innovation is a problem solver at levels and levels and levels. And so what we're going to do in this meditation is I want you to, with your eyes closed, oftentimes we actually do this meditation with blindfolds. Right? So if you want to do it at home, then, or you could even do these meditations here, just tell people to bring a blindfold. Because to black out that optical sense stops all of that information. Because even with your eyes closed, there's optical information coming through your lids and going into your head. And that optical information is being translated by the head brain as what is this, what is this, what is this, what is this. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. All classes can be found now on gurusing.teachable.com. There's going to be long-form classes available there, 30-minute long yoga classes with Kriya. There's also what is called a Kundalini Recharge. It's a brief lecture about something like depression or gratitude 
or achievement or partnering or success and it'll be a lecture with a pranayama a breathing exercise and a single asana that you can just jump into during the day and then it'll round out with an affirmation or meditation and these will be like 11 minutes and then there are also going to be audio files which are guided 11 minute meditations which you can listen to and that's all within gurusing.com satnam